With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. At Bed365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower, lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of smoke and audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Thanks for listening to the best of the Doug Gottlieb Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday from 3 to 6 p.m. Eastern Time. That's 12 to 3 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for the Doug Gottlieb Show at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every day on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR. This is the best of the Doug Gottlieb Show on Fox Sports Radio. Here on the Doug Gottlieb Show, I am George Reister with Aaron Torres, and we are sitting in for Doug today. We're going to keep the seat warm, keep the takes hot, and also make, you know, uh, give you something to think about. Aaron, man, just saw you yesterday, man. Happy to be back with you. 
I am happy to be back with you. And yes, how fitting. First of all, we hope everything's okay with Doug, but how fitting this week of deception and maneuver. People tune in to listen to Doug and they get George and Aaron, man. Happy to do it again with you. Yeah. So speaking of the deception and what people are thinking and all of that, um, we over the last, you know, 24 hours, we've heard a lot about what the San Francisco 49ers plan to do with their number three pick because they have already, so they traded up from number 12 to number three with the Miami Dolphins. And then the Miami Dolphins then traded from three to six with the Philadelphia Eagles. So that trade was significant because the 49ers gave up multiple first round picks and so they better be right with this pick. And now we find out from Albert Breer, Peter King, Ian Rappaport, who are all very connected into sports. They're insiders, all of this. And here's a quote from Ian Rappaport on Twitter. As the 49ers close in on their decision of which quarterback to take at number three, sources say they are down to two prospects. And the belief is those are Bama quarterback Mac Jones and North Dakota State Trey Lance. Several sources say the focus does to appear to have shifted to those two. And my initial reaction is, is for the Trey Lance, because he's more speculative, right? He's a guy who people are saying, yo, he has every single, um, he has every single characteristic that you want out of a starting quarterback. Uh, they think he's a little bit raw, all, all, all of these things, which makes sense for them to say that Jimmy Garoppolo is quote unquote still in their 2021 plans. But then when you think about, okay, they moved up to get him. That makes sense potentially for a speculative prospect, but not to mortgage your future for it. And then the thing that makes no sense to me, Aaron, is moving up to number three for Mac Jones. I, he would have been likely available at number 12. And he's not enough of a transcendent talent in terms of arm talent, mobility, any of the things that you actually want out of your starting quarterback in today's new NFL. He's the anti that. He's more Tom Brady built or uh, Phillip Rivers in terms of mobility and all that than he is a quarterback who starts in the NFL now. So, Aaron, it makes no sense to me. Yeah, well, it doesn't really make sense to me either. And let me put it this way, George. Let me ask you a question. Is it possible that this is all just more smoke from San Francisco? Because the way that I look at it is this. Let's just take the last two weeks, okay? Because I was in – well, I was in Vegas about two weeks ago – and at that point, Mac Jones had gone from the prohibitive favorite to be the number three overall pick back to Justin Fields. It was originally Justin Fields, then Mac Jones, then back to Justin Fields. Last week, it was back to Mac Jones, and now it's Mac Jones to Trey, Trey Lance. And so I look at it, and I just wonder, are the 49ers just doing everything that they can to send out as many mixed signals as possible? And I'll throw this out to you too, George. Let me ask you, so – we talked about this yesterday. We were on Fox Sports Sunday. 
I don't think I don't think it's likely, but I don't think it's absolutely inconceivable that the Jets at the last minute throw a curveball and take someone other than Zach Wilson. And so my question is, how can you be down to two quarterbacks definitively if we're not totally 100% positive that one of those guys is going to be available? It just feels like a lot of smoke to me coming from the 49ers. They're just trying to throw everybody off their scent. Absolutely. Absolutely. And maybe that's because um, the the Jets, when – when tra- when uh, Fields Justin Fields had his second pro day at Ohio State, the entire Jets organization was there, like all of the important decision makers. Sure, but if you had already thrown your chips in with Zach Wilson, everybody doesn't need to go. You got to have some people go just to do your due diligence and make sure everybody shows shows up. But you don't need everybody there. And so I think that that's noteworthy as well because you can't ignore the fact that people have spent so much time on this. And then there's the and then there's the idea that so everybody said they believe that Zach Wilson is going to be the number two two pick. All right, okay, let's let's go along with that. But then there's the aspect of why trade up for Mac Jones. But then here is the the other thing when you look at. Justin Fields, he has been pretty much the number two player his in his class his entire life. Yeah, Trevor Lawrence has been number one coming out of high school, and so has Justin Fields been number number two. And then you look at the how long they've dealt with that fame, how they have dealt with it publicly, because a lot of people crumble when they get that sort of constant media attention, even in the short term. But when you consider that he's been dealing with it in the long term for years upon years, right? That is notable. And he dealt with the pandemic. His coach was out. Yes. Uh, Multiple. His offensive line was out a lot of times. There was a lot that he had to deal with that people aren't giving him credit for. And then he helped get the Big Ten back. So, so the, so they're like, oh, well, his decision-making on some of this process and all, it, it doesn't, I'm not buying it at, at, at all because you can't tell me that a dude can't play ball and he went out and has done what he did in high school, what he's done at college. And you tell me, all right, yeah, that some other fly by night dude who has one off good season that he's supposed to be ahead of him. How about no? Well, and it's funny because these are a lot of the points that I brought up on my Saturday show, which is that there's this notion that Justin Fields was so much worse this year than he was last year. Well, first of all, the most important, probably the most important stat for a quarterback completion percentage, uh, it was actually up this year. Now, interceptions were also up. I will not argue that. But as you said, and as I've argued on my Saturday show for weeks, uh, Ryan Day missed a game because of COVID. Uh, The Big Ten Championship game uh, uh, against Northwestern, Justin Fields was without several of his top playmakers. There was a game where his entire offensive line was out. So there were legitimate reasons for Justin Fields to have struggled. Let me throw another kind of curveball at you, George, because I'm curious for your perspective as a former player. Um, You know, you mentioned the idea that I think we all agree with, or a lot of us agree with, the idea of, did you really trade up to number three for Mac Jones? But here's my other question. I understand that Kyle Shanahan, they're coming off a Super Bowl. Nobody's, like, on the hot seat or anything. 
But this is kind of like uh, uh, you kind of got to nail this pick, right? We, we You put all the chips in the middle on Jimmy Garoppolo. It didn't work out, but he still got to a Super Bowl, but it's clear that he's not going to be the long-term answer in the next, next six, seven, eight years. If you pass on Matt, if you pass on Justin Fields or even Trey Lance for Mac Jones, who I think pretty much everybody universally agrees that his ceiling is lower than probably all four of the other draft prospects, Zach, Zach Wilson, Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, Trey Lance, you take Mac Jones and either Trey Lance or Justin Fields balls out, you're going to have a lot of questions to answer down the road, aren't you, George? Dude, this is a potential like firing like you you are putting your career on the line with this pick if you draft Mac Mac Jones at number 3 because you traded up so the dolphins sent the number 3 overall pick in exchange for the 12th overall pick and a 2022 third round pick and first round picks in 2022 and 2023. So you traded your first round pick in 2022 and 2023 um, and a third round pick. The interesting part about these draft picks is this, that people, I don't think that fans always necessarily calculate into it is first round picks are really, really good, right? But the lower that you get in the, in the round, the quote unquote value of those picks in terms of trade value goes down so if you're the 49ers and let's say the 49ers are a middle tier team like they were this last year then those first round draft that first that 2022 first round draft pick is going to be around 12 12 to 14 somewhere around there and but if the 49ers are bad which is not likely that they that they'll be one of the worst teams in the NFL considering that Last year, Jimmy Garoppolo was very injured for the most of the year. And you had them lose a number of starters to injury as well. And then they still were able to finish, a, a, what, seven, seven, seven and nine, eight, eight and eight. I, that means that, okay, that no matter what, Kyle Shanahan is a good enough coach to get them around a 500 roster. So when you're looking at trading first round draft picks, you have to kind of project out where the team is going to be because if you think the team is going to stink, uh, then those team then those picks are very valuable. Hence, the uh, Houston Texans trading away that that Laramie Tonsil trade that Miami made with them. That's the gift that keeps on giving. Absolutely, and so to me, uh, for, so to go back to the the basic genesis of the question, and it's something you and I discussed a lot again on Fox Sports Sunday yesterday. I don't get why why Justin Fields is falling. I really don't. I I don't get this idea. You know, I saw when we were coming on. You know, uh, Colin Cowherd and and Peter Schrager did a mock draft, and I know they're just speculating. You know, they're just going off the information that's out there. So by no means am I criticizing either of those guys. But in their mock draft, which I was listening to on the way in here uh, to the Fox Sports Radio studios, Justin Fields fell into the double digit picks, as in beyond number ten, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, past the Cowboys at number 10. And so I'm only bringing it up to say I don't understand it. I really don't. Well, here, here's the thing. I, I don't see a scenario. Okay, so let, let, let's let just go through the possible picks, right? So assuming that Tre- Trevor Lawrence was safe bet at number one, then if Zach Wilson goes number two, and then if Justin – I'm sorry, then if 
uh, Mac Jones is drafted. Actually, I'm not even going to do that because it's it's not possible in in my mind. Let's say <laughs> okay. Trey Lance goes number three. Atlanta's not drafting Mac Jones. So and and let's assume that that there are aren't any any more trades. Atlanta's not drafting Mac Jones, but they and Trey Lance is already off off the board. So if you're Atlanta. Then Justin Fields becomes a real possibility because now you can let him sit and learn too. But let's say that Atlanta doesn't draft a a uh, quarterback. Then you got Cincinnati. They're not drafting a quarterback. Miami's not drafting a quarterback. Detroit, because of financial considerations with Je- uh, with Jared Goff, they're not trading a quarterback. They're not picking a quarterback. Now here comes Carolina and Denver. Uh, Carolina just traded for. Uh, for Sam Darnold, so the idea that they could take, they could technically, and they still have, um, and they still have Teddy Bridgewater under contract. So I guess they could make a move if they were to make a trade for one of those quarterbacks too. And then you got Denver, who Denver's the team that could draft it, but then uh, after that, there's not going to be a quarterback taken at least until 12 with with Philadelphia if they were to draft. So I just don't see a scenario where Justin Fields falls to 12. I think that all this quote-unquote fall talk is hyperbole. And truthfully, when you're drafting players, it's not always the best players that get drafted highest. It's based upon team need as well. Absolutely. So to wrap, so you just said something. You just do not believe and cannot believe that Mac Jones will go number four, number three overall to San Francisco. Nope. Is that correct? Okay, go ahead. No, I, I do not believe it at all. Be sure to catch the live edition of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. 
Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet that's right up to $1,500 again sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in Ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park that's 1-800-GAMBLER Here on the Doug Gottlieb Show, I'm your boy George Reister with Aaron Torres. We're sitting in for Doug today, keeping the seat warm and it takes hot. Um, So what makes a rivalry in sports? Because there are different types of rivalries. There are rivalries between teams and there are rivalries between players. So to start off the rivalry between players in baseball, is largely frowned upon by baseball. There are these unwritten rules. Oh, you can't trot around the bases too slowly. You can't show anybody up. You got to be a good soldier. Uh, no, No excitement. Act like you've been there before. When in reality, hitting a home run is could be potentially the single hardest play or in sports to do. Just one single thing to do. So you should be excited about it. You should be able to celebrate not only with yourself and your team, but with but for the fans because they're excited. They yell, they cheer. But baseball doesn't like that because people their their, their feelings get hurt, and then they'll throw at somebody's head, and then benches have to clear all of that instead of stop being Ralph Tresvant athletes, men with sensitivity, women with sensitivity. Come out there and just be okay with the result of it. You should have pitched better. You should have uh, blocked the guy. You should have done something in the world of sports, but in baseball in particular. And now we must praise a man, Trevor Bauer, who is finally, we have somebody who's of note, Cy Young winner, all of that, saying the right things about the unwritten rules of baseball. I want to say something about that because I think it's important. You know, he did it in the first. I didn't see it because I was paying attention to doing my job. And then he did it again when he homered off me again later in the game. Their dugout was doing it. And I I like it. I I think that pitchers who have that done to them and react by throwing at people or, you know, getting upset and hitting people or whatever, I think it's pretty soft. If you give up a homer, a guy should celebrate it. You know, it's hard to hit in the big leagues. I'm all for it, and I think it's it's important that you know the game moves in that direction, and we stop throwing at people because they celebrated having some success on the field. Uh, another one of those moments today, I got Hosmer on a, a curveball in the dirt and hit him with a sword celebration, and the next at bat, he hit a curveball in my face and gave me the sword celebration at first. 
and we kind of laughed about it and we got a little history together. We played against each other for many years and that's what it is to be a competitor, you know? Like, I'm going to go at you and I'm going to get you sometimes and then you're, you're going to get me sometimes. So we can have fun and we can celebrate it while we're still competing at the highest level. I just thought that was an important note tonight. Yes, and that was after Fernando Tatis hit two home runs off him and then did the Conor McGregor strut on him after. That's exciting as a fan. Do you know what that, as a Dodgers fan, that makes me look at at uh, Fernando Tatis and say, I don't like that dude. He's on my nerves. I respect him. I respect his game, but but I don't like it. So, and that means that the next time he comes up, and at bat is more exciting because I want to see the back and forth between the pitcher and the uh, the uh, player without somebody getting the ball chucked at their head. I agree. I agree. Um, so, so yes, I don't know if we're going to talk rivalries right now, but let me just say I am so glad Trevor Bauer said this. First of all, as you said, George, this is competition. As Trevor Bauer said, this is competition. Sometimes you get the upper hand. Sometimes the other guy gets the upper hand. And so I have nothing but respect, and I think that more guys in baseball need to come out and say stuff like this. I mean, I remember about, I guess it was five years now, and you could probably guess how I put that math together when I tell you what I'm going to tell you, but Bryce Harper came out with uh, some hats that said, make baseball fun again, uh, off a play of something else that you can probably guess, and it was very much in the same vein. And so any time that any player is coming out and saying things like this, I'm in favor of it because to me, this is athletics, this is competition. Guys should be able to celebrate when they do something good. And credit to Trevor Bauer saying, like, this guy got the best of me twice tonight. I got to be better next time I come out. Fans should be at the forefront of every decision that's made by the leagues well well fans and then player safety player safety first and then fans because the fans are where the money and the dollars come from uh the yes that that it's partially from ticket sales merchandise and all that but the fans who watch on television and then ad companies can sell uh sell slots for the the networks. That's where the money comes from. It's the fans. So the fans should be, you know, the main thing as opposed to in baseball, the players have made it about them and about their rules as opposed to what the fans want and fans want rivalry. They want intrigue. They don't want stuffy. They don't want boring. This is why baseball changed the extra innings rule. But let me jump in really quick. It's not only what fans should want. Shouldn't baseball want their best players and personalities to be on display? I mean, you can criticize the other sports, whether it's the NBA, the NFL. Every sport has its downfalls or its warts. One thing those two sports do great is promoting the individual. Zion Williamson was a household name before he ever played an NBA game. Now, part of it was college basketball, but part of it was the branding that the NBA put behind him. How many times was he on national TV as a rookie, which got screwed up when he got hurt all the time? But that's neither here nor there. Same with the NFL. Trevor Lawrence, you know the NFL is going to figure out a way to get this guy on TV early and often next year. I seem to remember Joe Burrow, the second Thursday night game of the year. They got Joe Burrow on Thursday night football. And
And so I, I didn't mean to cut you off there, George, but if this is about – forget the fans for a second. This should be about growing the game and doing exactly what you said, getting people more interested, getting sponsors more interested, getting young people more interested. So it's for the good of baseball, not just the good of fans, to give a guy like Fernando Tatis the platform to do the Conor McGregor strut, to do the one-eye closed thing that he did. I love it, but I think it's for the good of baseball too. Think about this is you are right. And the most, the best player in the MLB right now, the best player is sitting in Anaheim, not going to the playoffs in Mike Trout. Not only is he, he not going to the playoffs, yeah, where do you see him? I don't ex- see him on a Nike commercial, a Subway commercial. Go ahead. I don't mean to cut you off, but go ahead. Exactly. So he has done Subway commercials in the past, but you cannot pick his face out of a lineup. So Mike Trout, who's the game's best player, who may end up a top five all-time player or maybe the best baseball player of of all time in terms of stat-wise, he's a five-tool player, all these things. But he's less valuable to baseball. Then Randy Arozarena from last year in the postseason from with Tampa Bay. Corey Seager, Giancarlo Stanton, Carlos Correa, uh, Jose Altuve, Baez, any of them are more valuable to baseball than Mike Trout because through Mike Trout's illustrious career, he's played in three postseason games against the Royals and they got swept three in his entire career. And that's when legends are made. That's when Reggie Jackson, Mr. October, that's when all these people become big household names that people know. They they know Fernando Tatis from the playoffs last year. They know uh, all the Dodgers players, Mookie Betts, who's one of the greats as well. But when your best players are not in the playoffs, there is no other sport that your best players are who are your most important players are not in the postseason. And baseball has a huge problem there because it needs its best players to be on the forefront to broadcast the game. Well, let me jump back to a second to the Trevor Bauer comments themselves, because this is my question for you, George, and we're all, we're both longtime sports fans. We love this stuff. Everyone says, uh, you know, this is the way it's always been. You have to respect the game. Well, when baseball felt bigger, I don't know if the metrics indicate it was, say back 25 years ago I seem to remember Ken Griffey Jr. you know uh, strutting an awful lot and he'd he'd hit those long bombs and he'd make that slow walk and he'd look up and you know Deion Sanders with the Atlanta Braves was full of uh you know full of character and Frank you, you go on and on down the list Bo Jackson so like when did it become this thing that you can't celebrate it's the game it's respect for the game cuz I remember Ken Griffey Jr and nobody had a problem with it Dude, I go ahead it's get off get off my lawn crowd it's the get off my lawn crowd but then these things ultimately translate into rivalries that that's good for the game prime example the biggest games the biggest series this season in all of baseball it has not been Yankees Red Sox it has not been anybody else it's been the Dodgers versus the Padres those games have felt like literally games that are played in October or you know when in the playoffs these have felt like high leverage games each pitch has been a high leverage pitch and then this year the Dodgers have lost uh four games Padres have won 
But yeah, Padres have won four. Dodgers have won three games this year in their series so so far. And I'm sitting here like as a Dodgers fan, the Padres are on my damn nerves. They are the little brother in the city. They are the Clippers to the Lakers, who is the Dodgers. But people calling this a rivalry, I agree that it's a rivalry only because at the point in time where you start to become bothersome and a nuisance to the uh, quote-unquote more powerful, more prestigious, the bigger team, that's the point it becomes a rivalry despite how kind of short-lived it could be. So I'm going to give you uh, a very compelling example from my own personal life that I know will be riveting to our audience of thousands of people across the country. Uh, when I played high school baseball, I know incredible, incredible stuff. Um, you know, we had our crosstown rival, and then there was a small Catholic school uh, that was right next door and whatever. And the small Catholic school, every time we played them, they tried to do this, and they tried to start crap, and they tried to talk in the, you know, in the infield, all that stuff. And we're like, dude. You're not our rival. Stop. Like, like we don't care about this game as much as you do. And at least for right now, it feels as though that is where the Padres are with the Dodgers. Because no, the Dodgers care. They, they see. See, that's the thing is the Dodgers are caring about this game. Well, they care because they want to win. But I don't think that they look at. I think the Padres feel like they are rising to the Dodgers level because they won a couple games here over the last couple weeks. And I feel like the Dodgers are kind of like, yeah, sit down there. I, I, congrats on picking See, I up. Go ahead. No, no, I was, I was going to say I, I agree with that. Yeah. I agree that that's, that that's how they look at it. But do you think that this is very similar? A good way to equate this is the Clippers versus the Lakers. Like the Clippers, when they had their big three, CP3, Blake Griffin, and DeAndre Jordan, they they tried, oh, yeah, Lob, Lob City, Lob City. They gained some more fans, but it didn't. It never materialized into a robbery, even though the Clippers were going to the playoffs because the Lakers were bad. That, um, that's, but, that's exactly what I was going to say. The only reason I would say it's not comparable is because the Lakers weren't good. I would equate. But I'm it, talking about now. That's I'm, what I was I'm say, talking about the Lakers Clippers I, now. I know you were talking about you. You mentioned Lob City and all that. I would say it. This reminds me of last year with the Lakers and Clippers, where yes, the Lakers were still ascendant. They hadn't won anything with the LeBron AD duo, but the Clippers were. Oh, this is our city, and the Lakers fans were like, "Hey, we don't put up banners for second round playoff appearances." Okay, so that's what it reminds me of. Is what the Clippers are trying to infringe upon with the Lakers I feel like the, Do- the 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 Padres are trying to do the same with the Dodgers yeah see that that's where I think it, that it's a closer you know c- comparison because prior to last season the uh the Padres had not been to the playoffs since 2006 and then they went in 2005 and before that 1989 like they have Six postseason appearances in their entire history. Where you look at the Dodgers, you're like, there are World Series, there are Hall of Famers, there's Jackie Robinson, there is uh, Sandy Koufax. I mean, and the the Padres got Tony Gwynn. That's who they got. So I I don't see it as a rivalry yet in in terms of like like that this is some longstanding thing. But but here is the, the definition of rivalry. Competition for the same objective or for the superiority in the same field. And the, the Padres are trying to compete for that, for the superiority and for the same objective. 
And they are just now becoming a nuisance to the Dodgers in terms of the Dodgers are like, hold up, this is not another series. We got to go play a little bit harder just to make sure that little brother, don't think you coming coming up here. Don't get confidence. We we got to mush you, put the put, put your hand on your forehead, and then you try to punch us un, underneath, and it's not going to work. So that's the way I think the Dodgers are looking at that. Be sure to catch the live edition of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific. Hey, I'm John Middlecoff, and I host the 3 and Out podcast. Do you like football? Do you like the NFL? Do you like the NFL draft? Quarterbacks, coaches? Well, I talk about it all on the show. I used to work for Andy Reid as a scout. Now I give you my unfiltered and raw opinions on everything that goes on in the NFL. And you know we're talking college football because of how important the draft is year-round. Listen to the 3 and Out podcast with me, John Middlecoff, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more... Right now, you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER.
we're actually going to be joined by John Paul Morosi, a Fox Sports MLB reporter. Uh, John, JP, welcome to the Doug Gottlieb Show. George and Aaron, I was uh, certainly all set to break down NFL draft prospects here from the great state of Michigan if you needed it. I, as soon as I, I heard the Brian Billick name, I said, oh boy, I, I have to have some strong takes uh, on <laughs> Michigan's struggle to develop a quarterback. But fortunately, sigh of relief, I can get back to baseball if you want to go there. If, if you guys want to go baseball, I, I can go baseball. Yeah, we got something for baseball for you because we were just talking about uh, Trevor Bauer and yeah. how he's breaking the, the the norms with talking openly about the unwritten rules of baseball. I, I hate them. I've always hated them in terms of throwing at guys' heads because they celebrate it. When this is supposed to be a fun game, and I think it's better for fans when they do allow celebration, is there any – you know, ground swelling of movement amongst the players to undo those unwritten rules? Well, it's an excellent question, George. And I believe the answer is yes, we are seeing it with Trevor Bauer. Uh, And I think it's important that you have now star players who are young or at least mid-career, as Bauer is, to say, listen, this is what I want the sport to represent going forward. This is how we can grow the game. Because at the end of the day, if there is a 70-year-old fan who didn't like the fact that Tatis covered his eye and celebrated it at, at first base, uh, to that fan I say, I'm sorry, but the game is changing. We're moving on. Culture is changing. The country is changing. Sports change with it. This is part of the American story, and I think that you have to adapt and grow. And for baseball to thrive, for the institution to exist in the best form that it can, it has to change. And it was so interesting, George, that I, I think back a couple, of, even a couple of years ago, you would see the official social media campaign of MLB said what? Let the kids play. That was that was the slogan. Let the kids play. So we'd see that commercial go into a, a television show about baseball, and two minutes later we'd be saying, "Well, this guy got thrown at because he flipped his bat." And so you have this in total disconnect between. What MLB clearly wants to be out there via its own social media channels and its own marketing and the way the players were carrying out that message on the field. And to me, George, I'm encouraged that we're actually seeing players, star players who have a platform, understanding this message. And it's not going to happen overnight. Culture takes a long time to change. But I think what we saw over the weekend, George, was a very powerful demonstration that the message is finally getting through and being carried forward for the people who have the greatest agency to change the game, which is the players themselves. JP, when did this kind of concept first come in? Because I think it's easy to hear the older players, oh, this is how the game is played. It's It was this way when I came up. Well, I seem to remember when I was young, my favorite player, like everybody from my generation, was Ken Griffey Jr., and I seem to remember him hitting 600-foot home runs and staring and walking down the first baseline. Uh, same with Barry Bonds, same with Sammy Sosa, same with Mark McGuire. So, like, when did it become this thing that you have to, as soon as, you know, you, you hit a 600-foot home run or a four, whatever, that you got to put your head down and run around the bases and show no emotion at all? It's a great question, and the answer is I'm not sure that there's ever been a clear delineation between when it was okay to do it uh, back when Griffey did it and versus now. I think that some of the quote-unquote old guard 
would often say, well, you have to achieve a certain amount before you can, before you can do that. Okay, I remember remember back when Yasiel Puig arrived. Yep. There was so much discussion on him. That was just 2013. It feels like it was a different generation. It was just eight years ago, and I think that Puig actually brought some of the the conversation around at the time. Uh, you even go back a little bit further. Brandon Phillips, I think he was great for the game in that respect. There have always been players who have brought a little different attitude and approach, and I think that's great. You look back at the way the St. Louis Cardinals played in the 1980s. A lot of athleticism, a lot of uh, stolen bases, a lot of running around the bases, a lot of a lot of great defense. There's different kinds of athleticism that you see played in the game. Uh, I think that as as the game grows and modernizes internationally, and you have more influences in the game, you're gonna you're gonna evolve. You're gonna change. There's no country. There's no league that probably flips bats with greater artistry than the Korea baseball organization. Check out some of the some of the games there. There's incredible bat flips. It's part of the culture of the game. And you know what? We need more of that in MLB as as the game broadens and globalizes it's important to take some more of that with you. you. You see the same thing, frankly, in hockey, where where you've had more elaborate celebrations occurring over time. That that wasn't the way you saw Gordy Howe doing it. But again, the game is more diverse globally, internationally, racially than it is today than it was back then. You have to adapt to the times. Yeah, and speaking of adapting to the uh, times, are, are we supposed to adapt to the fact that? The Padres are now a rivalry, a, a rival of the Dodgers. Because I'm a huge Dodgers fan, and truthfully, the Padres are kind of on on my nerves right now. Well, they should be, George. That's healthy. That's what you want. This is that's about sports. You know, that, that's one of those things that we love in, in the game. It's that's why probably if if you if you went to Corvallis, you wouldn't like the Beavers too much, right? I mean, that's right. Exactly. I mean, that's, that's a rivalry. That's that's your neighbor, and I think that's how that's how things go right now with, with respect to the Dodgers and Padres. We have needed this. I, I was saying this to someone earlier today. That series this past weekend and the one before, I cannot recall. A, an April series that that captured the attention of the baseball world quite like this since back in 2004 when the Red Sox and Yankees played after their incredible seven-game ALCS the previous year. That was the last time that I can think of an April series that felt like this. And part of the reason, George and Aaron, is that we know the characters involved here. These are really compelling people. Uh, we know Mookie Betts. We know Clayton Kershaw. We know Machado. We know Tatis. These are known commodities. Blake Snell, Hugh Darvish, superstars, Corey Seager on either side. And, and when you have a national rivalry with people that we identify with, that is what makes you want to tune in. And the thing I love, George, about what you said I love that, that you said that you are annoyed by the Padres because we talk about other sports. I'll make the basketball comparison. 20 years ago, 20 years ago, back when the Thunder were still the Sonics, if you were to say that by, by 2021 that you would have had great, memorable playoff series between the Golden State Warriors and the Oklahoma City Thunder, they would have said, who are you talking about? And yet <laughs> it happened quickly because – Players went to the right places, and the rivalry got good. And that's all that matters, or that, the, or that the Toronto Raptors would be playing an historic, amazing NBA playoff series. It, it doesn't take 50 years of history to make a great rivalry. It takes interesting storylines, 
interesting personalities and talent that you want to watch. And right now, that rivalry, Dodgers-Padres, has all of those ingredients. So you, th- you say players you want to watch. How do we get some more love for Shohei Otani, JP? Yeah. I mean, maybe maybe I'm just out of the loop with baseball, and he is getting all the love he deserves, but tied for the league lead in home runs. He's he's a pitcher, too, and he's really good at it. What do we got to do to get this, get this uh, hype train started, JP? Well, that's a great point because he's on the mound tonight. Can't wait. He is one of the can't-miss attractions in the game. He was hitting – Yesterday, it used to be that uh, there were all these Otani rules where the day before he pitched, he wouldn't play. The day after he pitched, he wouldn't play. I love Joe Madden here. Basically, the old rules, hey, we're just going to discard them and, and write our own script here. And I love it. Let him be himself. You know, sometimes I, I really think when you limit athletes uh, into what they want to do, you reduce what you're able to get out of them. I, I think about, again, I, we, we began the conversation, I referenced uh, uh, the Big Ten, near and dear to my heart. I thought that, you go back years ago, Charles Woodson, he was playing on both sides. That was so much fun. I loved watching him play both ways. That was part of what made him a Heisman Trophy winner. Don't diminish when you've got a player that can do two things like Otani can, don't diminish him. Don't put expectations on him. Just let him play. And I think that's what the Angels are doing right now. And so I think that for me, guys, one of my favorite discussions, I hope he stays healthy. I hope he keeps doing this. And then let's talk about the MVP debate in August and September. Because, my friends, we have never been able to consider someone like this for an award because he is totally unique. This is We have to go back and compare what was Babe Ruth doing for the Red Sox back in the day before he was even becoming a, a Yankee when he was doing this. So I love it. It's making people like me reframe our whole value paradigm, which is what we should be doing, and he's changing the game every day. I, I, I love what Otani's doing right now. Yeah, uh, we're on with J.P. Morosi, Fox Sports MLB reporter, and speaking of uh, Otani, so he's only on a two-year deal with the Angels right now, and then he'll be uh, eligible for ar- arbitration and right. then free agency in 2024. So, like, how much is he worth? You know what I mean? And, I mean, pr- provided he keeps this this pace up. I mean, b- because if if you have a Tatis who's worth three, who's worth 340, how much is he worth? He does double the work. Well, you're exactly right, George. That's a fantastic point. I love the way you lay that out because, as we were discussing, the the voting for the MVP, it's even more important when you talk about the salary structure. And and if you are his attorney in a salary arbitration hearing or a salary negotiation, how much fun would this be to negotiate, right? Because you're, you're saying, my guy is without precedent, so pay him without precedent. Throw out all of your different restrictions about what he's owed and what he should be worth. Forget all that, because he's off the charts, quite literally. He is off the chart. There is no chart that would say if a player can start 15, 20, 30 games and then hit you 20 home runs, this is what you pay him, because we don't have anybody like that. He is truly unique. So it's a great point. I I think for me, I'll say this to, to, to make a quicker point on it, he was projected before he came over, and there were a lot of rules about entry contracts coming over from Japan if you don't have enough uh, service time to be a professional free agent. But there was talk where if that had not been the rule, he would have been a $150 million player as an amateur, as an amateur. So as a pro player, if he keeps this up, I think you're talking about a $200 million player at the very least. Yeah, and, and that's and I'm looking at salary arbitration numbers. Like you're looking at, you know, 
Nolan Arenado, uh, Mark Mark Feeson, uh, 27, 26-27 million. Like Otani's going to have to be above that. Like we could could we be looking at like a forty million dollar arbitration? Well, it's an interesting question, George. For a one year deal, perhaps. And and part of the part of the overall conversation of why it's so unique, Otani came over. And basically, when he came over, because of that uh, unique salary structure that I mentioned and the way the rules work coming over from Japan to the U.S., he gave up a lot of money that he would have made if he had waited a couple more years. Now, the, the GM with the Angels is now Perry Manassian. He was not the GM who signed him. The, the same owner is there, of course, Artie Moreno. And so you might be able to say, listen, you came over here at a time when you, you gave up potential future earnings at this time. I believe, George, that ultimately the Angels will do the right thing and sign him to a multi-year extension that goes well past his arbitration years to basically say, we are going to take care of you because of your unique talent and because you came over at a time when you basically gave up money to chase your dream. That is what I think will happen. But to your point, George, on a one-year deal, do I think that in the final year of arbitration eligibility, could Shohei Otani get $30 million plus, maybe even 35 40 might be a stretch just because he's been injured a bit the last couple of years, and, and you do take that cumulative effect in, into consideration. I think we could be talking about a 30 to $35 million salary arbitration award in this final year because of the true uniqueness of his talent. And he would deserve that. He needs all his coins. <laughs> you guys, uh, he is J.P. Morosi, Fox Sports MLB reporter. Thanks for coming on the show. Hey, George and Aaron, my pleasure, my friends, as always. And, and we never want to talk about some NFL draft stuff. Let me study it before we, we next come on. I'll be right with some takes on that, too, okay? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Sounds great, guys. I appreciate it. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. Here on the Doug Gottlieb Show I am George Reister with Aaron Torres. We're sitting in, keeping the seat warm and the takes hot here on the Doug Gottlieb Show. And we were talking about the New England Patriots and their quarterback situation. There's a lot of people that believe that they should trade up for Justin Fields or possibly even take Kyle Trask. I'll let you go first on this one, Aaron Torres. Trade up for Justin Fields or take Kyle Trask late? Well, I mean, I would personally trade up for Justin Fields because I believe he's the second-best quarterback in this draft behind only Trevor Lawrence. But, and I could be mistaken on this, I don't think Bill Belichick that I remember has traded up very often, if ever at all, and he has never drafted a quarterback in the first round, let alone traded up to do so in his entire career. And so because of it, what do I think? Uh, what, what would I do is I would, I would draft Justin Fields. I would trade up to get him. But I think history tells us that if, if Bill Belichick is going to take a quarterback, he is not going to give up draft capital to move up to make it happen. Yeah, well, see, I think that Bill Belichick, the model for what he typically has done, it's kind of out the window. But didn't we say that last year, though? Like, weren't we like, well, he's got to take a quarterback this year. He's got to do that. And, and he just did Bill Belichick stuff. He sat there with his dog in his house, wherever the heck he was, 
And uh, he just traded pe- back and accumulated picks and didn't really do all that much that got anybody that excited. See, I think that they were too – that when you look at what Bill Belichick had been previously in, in his career versus now, I think that there are two different things, right? Sure. That, that you had – he had Tom Brady who was the great eraser who could fix a lot of the warts and the blemishes that you had. And also their defense had always been, been it. And there have been a couple of years where, where Bill Belichick wasn't even, I mean, well, well, where Tom Brady wasn't even the most important thing on the team. Like look, look when they beat the Rams, they held the Rams to, uh, to three points the top leading, the leading scoring offense in the whole league. So all Tom Brady had to do was not crash the car in in that Super Bowl. Just just be serviceable. Two two field goals would have got you a win. So I, I don't believe that he's looking at this after last season and saying, "Oh yeah, we're going to keep doing business as usual." Look what he did in free agency. The Patriots has, have never been as active in free agency, spending that kind of money. They picked up two tight ends, draft. Uh, they got de- defensive guys. This is Bill Belichick trying to build his roster for the future, and he usually shops in the scratch and dent bin, mm-hmm. tries to go bargain hunting for a sale, and I think that he realized, like, hold up, I got to do something different. So you you again should do versus will do should. Probably move up if you're ever going to draft a quarterback and give up cap draft capital and whatever to do it. This probably feels like the year. Well, what the question we'll is, move up, move up where though? True. Because it's fair. It's fair. because you you have Trevor Lawrence. Assuming even though we've had a debate about who should go number two, if the Jets will actually in fact pick Zach Wilson or whether they will prove pick somebody else. So nobody is going to trade out of the number one, two or three spots. They're not trading out of them because number one and number two aren't and number three damn sure isn't because they traded to get there. So now the highest that the Patriots could trade up is number four. And you don't even know who's available at that point. So if we do see a trade, it'll be on draft day. But, but in terms of the idea about Kyle Trask though, Dude, stop. I am all out on Kyle Trask. He's got a, a, a noodle for an arm. He, he doesn't have the mo- mobility and athleticism. I would rank him slightly below Mac Mac Jones. I think that, that they are kind of the same guy. The person that nobody is talking about and why the Patriots should not trade up, the guy who is probably, in my opinion, going to be the dark horse quarterback prospect out of this draft is going to be Davis Mills out of Stanford. He was the number one quarterback coming out in his high school class. He did really good things while he was at Stanford and now he's been overlooked. And the truth is that out of all those quarterbacks that are going to be in the first round where you're going to have Mac Jones, Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, Justin Fields, and Trey Lance. All five are likely to go in the first round unless something weird happens but over the next 36 over the next 72 hours. So all five of those dudes are not going to be good NFL prospects and or NFL starters. History tells us that. 
So assuming that the numbers are what, what they are, either from historically, either one or two of these guys is going to be starters. One of them will be I, the journeyman backup, and two of them won't be good, right? Then, but there will be other quarterbacks, or at least one other quarterback historically says, in this draft who will be really good. And that, my friend, is going to be Davis Mills, who, if I'm the Patriots, I I don't move out of my spot, and I pick him with my first pick of the second round, or maybe even my first pick of the first round. You're higher on Davis Mills than me, and uh, again, I keep, hate to keep saying it, you and I were on on Fox Sports Sunday yesterday, so give America, because I, I think most people, this is not a name that people are even all that familiar with. We focused on those five quarterbacks at the top. We know Kyle Trask because he played at a big school, SEC, game of the week versus Georgia, Alabama, SEC championship game, Cotton Bowl. Uh, why, what, what, what are you so sold on about Davis Mills that has you confident about him? So he was at Stanford, and Stanford guys typically – do pretty decent in the NFL because they are, they play in a very complicated system under David Shaw. So they are able to diagnose coverage. They are able to make adjustments. They're used to making checks. They're used to doing a lot of complicated things at the line that most quarterbacks are not in most offenses that you don't have to do. He's clearly got the arm talent. He's mobile enough. Like he, he checks all the boxes, but the issue is that he doesn't have that pomp and circumstance surrounding him. Um, he tested positive for, well, he got a false positive for COVID in their game against Oregon. And he had been previously, he had had some injuries while he was in college. So he doesn't get the same love as some other people. But I'm telling you, this dude has all the makings of it. And my quarterback rankings are, I got Trevor Lawrence one. I have Justin Fields two. Trey Lance three. Davis Mills four. And then uh, you just hate then, Mac Jones. I think you just don't like no. Mac Jones. And then Zach Wilson five. That's what I got. No, I don't hate. I don't hate Mac Jones. It's just when I look at him, he looks real regular. He looks like a lesser version of Tua to me, because Tua is a guy who, when he got in, in the NFL, wasn't prepared to make all of the tight window throws because guys were running wide open so much at when he was at Alabama and he was playing with four first round picks at wide receiver same thing with Mac Jones except for Mac Jones is not as mobile he doesn't have as strong as arm is not as accurate as Tua is they throw so many bubble screens and screens to the wide receivers plays that are scripted to be open uh, for and and Devonte Smith made so many hero catches on underthrown balls and all of that. I don't trust it. Mac Jones and and then he's not mobile. The NFL has changed. Even your all your star quarterbacks, Sands, uh, Tom Brady because he's a unicorn, are able to move, get away from the rush, and that's where and they do, I mean even Aaron Rodgers. 
he's mobile. He can run for a first down, run it. And but Mac Jones doesn't have that ability. So no, I'm not. I don't hate him. I think he's draft worthy. Just nowhere near in the first round. First of all, I don't think he's an elite athlete. He did run a faster 40 time than Tua uh, in his most recent 40. And he is certainly not only the most accurate quarterback in this draft, but one of the most accurate quarterbacks ever entering this draft. And I understand. Two first-round picks. He had the best running back in the in college football as well in Najee Harris. I understand it's a lot of dump-offs, a lot of short passes, all that stuff. But all I'm saying is I hear a lot of this, uh, well, anyone could have done what Mac Jones did. It. Well, nope. Nobody. Yep. I mean, I mean. Literally, no one has ever done what he has done at the college level, which is complete 77.5% of his pass. That, so- that doesn't even sound real. Like, if you were playing video games, you could not complete 77.5% of your passes in a season. And so, uh, you know, I think, to me, I guess what it comes down to, and whether it is with San Francisco at three or whether it is at 25 with the Steelers, like, whatever. Who cares where he gets drafted? I I, I believe it's totally fair to say that he has the lowest – ceiling of all of these guys but I also don't believe he necessarily has the lowest floor as well I am with you and Justin uh, uh Trevor Lawrence one Justin Fields two I like Zach Wilson I have question marks and I got question marks about Trey Lance too I get it I'm not blaming him I understand that there were circumstances that did not allow him to play all but one game this season but you're talking about on top of the fact that you got to jump up a level that you did not play the caliber of players week in and week out that Justin Fields, Trevor Lawrence, Mac Jones did. You also didn't play it all this year, and so to me that worries me as well. I just think with Trey Lance, it's just going to be he just can't go to a spot where they expect him to start week one. As long as he has time to develop, it's clear all the physical tools are there. Yeah, I I think that that's the thing about Trey Lance is that – but a lot of times, though, we will hear this about players – Oh, he needs time to develop. They said the same thing with Justin Herbert. Anthony Lynn said it. I don't want to put him put him out there, want, want to protect him. And, yes, they did dumb down the offense. Uh, well, simple. It's a little bit when he first started starting. But then he proved, like, no, no, I'm ready. I'm ready. And then by the end of the season, they're unleashing everything in the in the offense. So, yes, I do believe that when you get a quarterback in who's young that you do have to – Uh, simplify things for a young starter but once he proves it you know so I'm not gonna say that Trey Lance is a project because we've seen otherwise in the past where guys who they said were projects turned turned out they weren't okay so real quick um because and I know this is kind of an impossible question to ask but I'm gonna ask it anyway Let's assume Trevor Lawrence goes one. I feel that's a pretty safe assumption. Zach Wilson, two. I know you don't believe Mac Jones is going three, so let's just say for the sake of conversation it's Trey Lance. And then you have Justin Fields, Mac Jones, wherever. Without knowing where some of these guys are going to go, who do you believe? Because as you said, all five of these guys are not going to be home run Super Bowl caliber quarterbacks. Who do you believe, based on what we know, whether it's the top two guys or the three that we're not totally sure where they're going to go, is most likely to end up a bust? I would go with Mac Jones. <laughs> no, 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 no. I, I, I actually, I, ironically, I think that he will turn out to probably be a really good backup quarterback. Like we're talking about Chase Daniel. We're talking about, you know, Matt Castle, a guy who is a good guy in the league, a journeyman. 
who stays in the league 10 plus years, I think that could be Mac Jones. So well, that that's not a bust to me. Even in a because best case I scenario, look at even in a best case scenario, everyone's comparing him to Kirk Cousins and Kirk Cousins is a guy, he's going to win you a lot of games. He's not going to win you the ones that matter. He's not going to win you the ones on Monday night and Sunday night. Not going to win you in the play. But <laughs> you know, like it's the truth and so I I think that's totally fair, but I was just curious because it is such kind of a casual talking point of, "Oh, well, all five of these guys aren't going to hit." And it's true. I'm just curious what your thoughts were on which one is actually not going to hit. And again, I understand we don't fully understand where all these guys are going. Okay, if if I had to bet on this, true, truthfully, the only one I feel a hundred percent confident about is Trevor Lawrence. And then, and true, and, and if I'm being one if, in my heart of hearts, the guy that I have the second most confidence in probably is Trey Lance. And then after that, in terms of confidence, I would probably say Davis Mills. Because that doesn't mean I think that that Justin Fields, that there's something wrong with him or anything like that. I just, it just, in my gut, that's what I see when I watch them play. Be sure to catch the live edition of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific. We are joined by former Ravens head coach, Super Bowl champion there, and NFL Network analyst, Mr. Brian Billick. Thanks for coming on the Doug Gottlieb Show. Yes, sir. Uh, all right, so there, there's been a lot of talk, and you obviously drafted a bunch of really good players. You were a great coach, Super Bowl winning coach. When I look at when you were evaluating quarterbacks in particular, what are some of the things that stood out to you as characteristics that were most important? Well, that's the difficult thing, quarterback. I mean, there's a lot of boxes to check, and there's the fundamental abilities and the vision and all that kind of thing. The hard part was identifying what's a good quarterback and what's not. And as we know, in the first round, it's a hit and miss. It's 50-50 at best. I don't care who you are or what the track record is. Um, and it ought to be better, particularly in the day of analytics and all the things that we have. But, it, it, I mean, that's what the history is. The question becomes, what makes them special? What, what is going to allow them to be good beyond just the fundamental abilities? If we listed the top ten players of all time, but then said, okay, what made them good? What made them great? Um, you know, was it the quick release of a Dan Marino? Was it the pocket presence moving around with Joe Montana? Was the pure stroking action of a Warren Moon, or maybe the intellect of a, a, a Peyton Manning? Uh, there was usually something. There's usually something that makes them great, and that's the hard thing to quantify when you're looking at these quarterbacks. So, Coach Billick, you know, you mentioned there's. It's hard to quantify what makes things great. Was there any one common denominator in bus in terms of whether it be you know not as hard working as they, you were anticipating, stuff like that? Uh, no, not a common denominator. There's a lot of different reasons why a player doesn't make it. Uh, you look at the five guys we're looking at here. They all, on paper, and you look at the evaluation, there's no reason all of them shouldn't be good pros. But there's no reason Vince Young and Jamarcus Russell and Achilles Smith and Joey Harrington and, you know, the list goes on and on of first-round busts. Um, you know, it really comes down to three things. One's the physical ability. And, and they all have the physical ability. Every bust in the NFL had the physical ability you know, to, to warrant uh, making it in the NFL to a certain degree. Next is the mental and the emotional. And, and for some guys, to make that jump from college to pros uh, is a little tougher. And then finally, it's where they go. And that's important, too. Do they go to the right place that uh, 
is able to nurture the right things from them, or is it is it not a fit? So there's a lot of things that go into it. Yeah, and how, how much do as as a former player, I think that that players them themselves that they take a lot of blame when they are bust. But I do think that coaching some coaching and fit and system have a large part to do with players' success and or failure in, in the league as well. Where do you rank those two things in terms of, you know, a player's ability and his success as well? Well, the, the, the scouts will tell you, oh, no, the guy could play. The coaches just screwed him up. And the coaches will tell you, no, the guy never had the ability. We took the wrong guy. Uh, it depends on who you're talking to. And it's a mixture of both. Um, and, and I don't know that it's absolute either way. Uh, you, you go back to the classic – uh, Peyton Manning and, and Ryan Leaf. And, and no one will admit it now, but these guys were touching. These guys, I mean, people were, it was 50 50 at best as to who thought which was going to be better. No one will admit to it now, but that's the way it was. Even, I've been known for a fact, even within the, the Indianapolis uh, uh, Colts, Bill Polian will tell you it was, it was close. And so they ended up, rightfully so, taking Peyton Manning and, and Ryan Leaf went to San Diego. Uh, which didn't turn out. It was a mess. They ended up getting fired. And now, was was it truly a bad? If if, the, if you had switched them, had Ryan Leaf gone to Indianapolis and uh, Peyton Manning gone to San Diego, would would the story have been the same? I don't think so because I think at the end of the day, Ryan Leaf just you know couldn't make it happen. So yeah, are there guys that have gone? You you look at Ryan Tannehill, you know, who uh, and 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 obviously doesn't measure up in, in Miami. Uh, but then goes to Tennessee in the right situation, the right circumstances, doing the right thing. And, and now he's playing really, really well. So, yeah, I mean, it's, both are true. And <laughs> determining which is which, that's that's part of the equation. Coach, what are these last day? What is this last day or two like in the lead up to the draft? I mean, I would assume by this point you've done, you've watched all the tape, you've done your background homework. What are you doing in the day or two leading up to actual draft night? Yeah, you know, you're 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 finishing uh, uh, the process up a little bit. You, you can't, you know, it's a long time. You're ready to go. You're ready to draft right now. A lot of times, this will be the time you sit down to go over the final board, particularly with your owner, to point out some particular players that you are not going to take for any number. You know, whether it's injury, whether it's off the field issues, because you want your owner to know when this guy goes off the board. Don't look at us like, hey, I told you, you said this guy wasn't any good. No, we're not saying he's not good. We're saying he's we're not going to take him because of X, Y, or Z. Um, and and uh, and then there's some final analysis to do. But the haze in the barn, so to speak, right now. Now there's a lot of phone calls, kind of setting yourself up for letting people know that you're willing to move up or move down or or not, uh, and kind of just touching base, just to set the table for when uh, when we kick off on Thursday. Coach, how, how do you value offensive line versus playmaker? Where if you have a guy like Panay Sewell or the tackle out of Slater out of uh, available, or you have a guy like Kyle Pitts or Jamar Chase? Yeah, that's a tough one because no one, no one uh, wakes up draft day going, "Boy, I hope we get a guard." You know, <laughs> I really, I really want to. I mean, it's just you know, fans included. You know, you want something sexier than that. But, um, it, no, it depends on your board and, and what your needs are. If they're truly, you know, both that good, and, and that's where all that evaluation we're talking about, that's what you hear people talking about all the time. You trust your evaluation. You trust the board. And if the offensive lineman, uh, uh, Sewell or Slater, is rated above that edge rusher or one of these wide receivers, then you take, you take the offensive lineman. 
Uh, and if the tight end is rated above those offensive lines, uh, even though you may not need a tight end, well, then you fall back and pick something up because you need to, you, you need to trust your board in the old take the best player available. Now, you'll negotiate that. You'll convince yourself if you need a tackle and, and you're sitting there and, and, uh, and the tight end's available um, and you don't need the tight end, you'll convince yourself the tackle's as good, even though the, they may not be. But that's because you negotiated out of need. All right, Coach, i got to ask. So you get to, to the Ravens, and in 2002, you draft a guy named Ed Reed. And I think it's easy to say, oh, he's a Hall of Famer, it was so obvious. He was the 24th pick in the draft. First of all, uh, would love to know any insight into what went into that draft pick. Uh, and secondly, were you guys just sitting there hoping, praying that he falls to you? Because I remember him being a multiple-time All-American. 24th pick overall blows my mind. Yeah, and that was at a time when you really didn't take safeties in the first round. Okay, fair. It was thought, no, you take corners, you safeties, you can get in the second. So the kind of the way we think of running backs now. But with the advent of tight ends and the, the, their presence in the game and the like, um, their value has increased. But, no, we loved Ed, and, and you're right. And kind of thought he would be there because, again, um, the position. Uh, but he was such a dynamic, dynamic player at Miami. Now, at Miami, that's what sold us. This was the best player on, you know, University of Miami, which was replete. Of course, we had uh, uh, a number of players from Miami, not the not the least the best linebacker of all time in Ray Lewis, uh, who also fell to, well, I think he was 26th in the draft. Um, but, and we kind of were confident that Ed was going to be there because people just tended not to take safety. So we, we were sold on Ed from the get-go and knew that would be our pick. Yeah, and when when you look at the way the NFL is trending, I I can't see myself drafting a quarterback who's not mobile. Like I don't need him to be running like Lamar Jackson. I need your like base level of athleticism to be like Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers, the way you can escape the rush and, and extend plays to be able to to throw the football. Would you have any concerns about drafting a guy like Mac Jones? Who is not as mobile as some of the the or Kyle Trask or some of the as some of the other guys? I think they're mobile enough. They're athletic enough in the pocket. You're right. They're not going to you know be outside and do the things Lamar Jackson does. Nobody does that. Uh, but but a certain athleticism to keep the play alive. Uh, Matt Jones doesn't concern me because of that. Matt Jones concerns me because, and I'm sure he could be a good pro. But this, it's hard to evaluate. He's had basically the one year, and he's on a team where he sits behind the best offensive line in college football, throwing to the best tandem receivers in college football, and handing off to arguably the best running back in college football. So one of the major measurements for a quarterback is when a team needs it, can you throw the game on his back? And through no fault of Mac Jones, we don't know because they, Alabama never really needed them. They were just so much better than anybody else. So – uh, that's my concern with the Mac Jones, and it's not fair. It's not fair to evaluate him given that, uh, but we just don't know. Hey, Coach, uh, quick quick question for you because I, I know that you do a lot of work with different companies and different things as well. Uh, what what are you doing? Because I looked and I saw with X-Tech shoulder pads. Yeah, I'm one of original owners in X-Tech. Very proud of where we've been over the last eight years. We're now the number one pad in the NFL, number one pad in major college football. And it's kind of exciting because we're becoming the number one pad in high school football. All the major high school programs, modern day in De La Salle in California, South Lake Carroll in, in, uh, in Dallas, uh, are all replete with, with 
X-Tech shoulder pads. And it's interesting because we're seeing that parents are getting now more involved and they're, they're equipping their, their young people, which I certainly understand. Um, and these are the best pads. It's the best equipment available. I uh, got to take the head out of the game. So, uh, yeah, shoulder pads have become yeah. that much more important, and we're excited and very proud of where we sit as the basically the number one protective pad in in football. Yeah, coach, that's actually a good point, man. And you made it about parents because I, I have a, a freshman. He's a freshman over at Sierra Canyon, and he's playing. And I bought my my own helmet, e- even though they they have right. really good good helmets there. I wanted the number one on the list, so uh, I'm gonna have to look into those X Tech shoulder pads for him as well, coach. Uh, you guys, he is Brian Billick. Thanks for coming on the show, Coach Billick, Super Bowl champion, head coach, and NFL Network analyst. Sounds great, guys. Be sure to catch the live edition of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. 